Yeah, hi. Season seven. Not yet. Well, we could. I mean, it's up to us, really. It is up to us, but it's still season three. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're hi. doing it. Here we like, are. Yeah. Doing it. Doing it. Yeah, and and another episode that doesn't have an umbrella, but has, you know, a nice mixture of interesting um, hijinks. Yeah. We're, we're eschewing labels. Yeah. 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 Eschewing. That's yeah. something there. I, that like, I enjoy the issue. Yeah. Pull, pull, put me off. Put me off my pace. Eschew. Yeah. Yeah. Who's uh... on first? Yeah. What? Um. <laughs> so it's gold. It's genius. <laughs> I mean, it really, you know. No. You know, they never did it the same way twice. Sure. That's, that's the worst part. Funny things are funny. Yeah. I'd like to go first because I'm, my head's exploding with information. Well, let us take part. And it's tough for me to hold information these days. There was a time in my life when I when I could hold on to things. Mm. <laughs> so I have a boycott. All right. Nice. Yeah. I'm a fan. I know. Uh, 1880, to combine in refusing to have dealings with and preventing or discouraging others from doing so as punishment for political or other differences. Dig it. 1880. Nice. 1880. All right. Because this one comes around and has some interesting story that you need to have the definition for to appreciate the story, I have to cut straight to the chase, which we covered in an early episode, right? Yes. Cut to the chase. Yeah. Did that. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you, you know, just to tell you this it dates from 19th century England. All right. Okay. And innkeepers who kept dirty beds or dirty rooms to rent out uh, aggravated people and, and it and it became worse and worse of a problem you understand mm -hmm. so one guest i had his name like harrow or something got tired of this tired of these muddy boot prints tired of the dirty innkeeper. rooms you know yeah sure so he goes to the uh innkeeper's house and jumps in um he couldn't do this today i guess because all kind of stuff right but he jumps into the son's uh bed and now he said, I'm not leaving until my room's been cleaned. Okay. So this was a successful maneuver for him. And he got his room cleaned and was ushered back to it that same night. Mm -hmm. So it somehow quickly spread uh, what he had done. I guess he was proud of it. So he told people, hey, this was a successful thing I did. Check it out. So he went into the guest house and went into the boy's cot. The boy's cot. <laughs> yeah? That's crazy. That was, that was a nice job. Okay. That was pretty good, right? No, I, I mean, I, was, I feel like I felt where we were heading early on, and I'm like, this sounds, you're doing a really nice job. <laughs> I don't want to take it from you. Yeah. Boy cot. It felt very natural. Yeah, did, yeah, I did my best. Nice job. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, that's a lie. That's not it. This was just strictly for entertainment purposes. As is the whole damn show, really. Really? Yeah, I mean, honestly. No, but I did tell one truth. <clears throat> oh, there was an innkeeper. No. Okay. That it is a concise no. and known 
origin. Gotcha. And we can get right to that now. So imagine there's some land and it's divided up because a lord owns all this land. Yeah. All right. Are you with me? Sure. This is in Ireland. Yeah. In the 1800s. Mm-hmm. This guy, Lord Earn, you might say Ernie, uh, he owns the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of different parcels on it uh, are, are carved up and farmers pay rent. Mm-hmm. But Lord Ernie, he doesn't have time to be dealing with these people. So, you know, he plants a guy, <laughs> plants on a farm. I got a, I got a guy. A guy is there that's sort of, I guess he gets cheaper rent or free rent for his farm. But he has to like handle other farm issues with the other farmer tenants mm-hmm. and collect their rent and stuff. Yeah. Right? Sure. So sort of semi-famine time happens, rough crop poor crops that year and the farmers all go, Hey man, we all had poor crops. Go to the manager tenant and say, Hey, can you cut our rent down to like, you know, 25% discount because you know, as well as I do, it wasn't our fault. Mm-hmm. We had crappy crops. Yeah. Copper clappers. Crops. The uh, managing farmer dude says, no way, man, I'll give you like 10% off, but you can't, you can't have 25% off. What is this, a President's Day mattress sale? Right. Yeah. So they say, I don't like this at all, and, and start refusing to pay. Well, managing farmer dude says anyone who, who refuses to pay is going to be evicted. Mm-hmm. So all the other farmers got together and said, you know what? Yeah. When they move someone into the, the farm from the farmer that was evicted... We're going to shun that person and not help them or talk to them or exchange services with them. Mm -hmm. The managing farmer, who I've been avoiding naming, was Captain Charles Boycott. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So Captain Charles Boycott is like, oh, Uh man, this is is sucky. Sucks, yeah. Um, Well, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, and there was a uh, a fellow Charles Stewart Parnell. He he helped lead this effort to shun yeah. the scab farmers, um, you know, the replacement sure. farmers that came in. Yeah. Not only that, he began to say, "Hey, let's not only do that. Let's really screw Charles Boycott." So they threatened all anyone that was working for him. They made them stop and so he couldn't get his own crops in yeah uh he couldn't get services he couldn't even get mail they stopped and threatened the postman you know and so no one would would help this guy yeah they're like dude uh we we said what we wanted you said no yeah yeah so the funny thing is about this one is it you know it happened so fast and here's why that charles boycott his name became synonymous with this kind of an effort Mm -hmm. he feels like he's hosed. Yeah. He can't get his crops in and he can't get anything for himself. Yeah. No mail, nothing. Nothing. And he feels threatened and endangered. So he, he writes a letter to the London Times and um and just goes on and on about uh the following detail may be interesting to your readers. Uh, as exemplifying the power of the Land League, yada, yada, yada. He writes this long, my blacksmith received a letter threatening him. My my herd has been frightened by, this is not a herd of animals. This is apparently, a, you know, his crew. 
okay. has been frightened by the land league as as he called them yeah shopkeepers have been warned to not sell me supplies he writes this big long letter um to the london times yeah but uh highfalutin people <laughs> stick together sure so there was a consortium of people who read the letter naturally a lot of people who read it were like, because the you know, London Times printed it, you know? Yeah. So a lot of people who read it said, yeah, well, that's what you get. Could be in a dick. Could be in a dick. Yeah. And then there were a lot of people that said, that doesn't seem right. We're going we're gonna to go help you, but we're not going to come in as if we're posturing to fight with these people. We're just going to help you and protect ourselves while we're there. So they go in. Mm-hmm. All, it takes all these people, what was what was um, estimated to be in the day, $10,000 worth of men and supplies and effort in order to harvest $500 worth of crops. So they got him and his crops off of the, the land, yeah. but then that was the end of that. They, they went out and said, nuts, nuts to this, yeah. you're, on, you're on your own. And um, it was picked up, the New York Tribune... Times, it got everywhere. The Daily News wrote on December 13th, 1880, already the stoutest hearted are yielding on every side to the dread of being boycotted. And boycotted is in quotes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then it began and it caught fire. Yeah. Uh, it appeared in a book right away and then became also, you know, a model for movements. Boycotting had dramatically strengthened the power of the peasants. Yeah. And by the end of 1880, there were reports of boycotting from all over Ireland. So nice. this one, while it wasn't sleeping in the sun's bed because of the dirty <laughs> room. Sure. <laughs> 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 that was pretty good. That's funny. Has a concise, immediately traceable, yeah. um, defined, documented start. There's a picture with a dude's picture. I mean, there's, yeah, the dude's face pictured next to this word. Captain Charles C. Boycott. Nice. Uh, he went on to manage some other land and, and lived out his life probably very low key with Changed his hat his tilted down. Yeah, like, no. But, uh, yeah, nobody killed him or anything. No, well, that's something, I guess. I mean, that's the idea of the boycott. It's a nonviolent, effective approach, right? Working together, we can accomplish great things, everybody. So I'm just saying. Working together, we can accomplish great things. Us and that band, come on, come on, now work together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, now, people. <laughs> what have you? Uh, I am going Dutch. Oh, going Dutch. Better have a good, uh, yeah, segue. This is that, yeah, sometimes they're hard, you know? Yeah, sure. Going Dutch, paying for yourself, or whenever you're out with people, friends, a date, whatever, anybody at all, if you... Pay for yourself while you're in a group of people. You've gone Dutch. Hermdy, Hamdy, Hoodie. Yeah, you have. Uh, you have gone Dutch in yeah. this sense. I and, don't know what this. Yeah, how this possibly could have originated. Well, I I, I looked a lot of different places. I looked at uh, Atlas Obscura, some Mental Floss, uh, some Word Histories, a little bit of Today I Found Out. You know, I, I checked all the places. Good places. Um, and, and they all seem to start us off in the same area. Since about the 1600s in England, the word Dutch has a negative connotation, meaning used to mean cheap, alcoholic, poor, 
Uh, just not not great things. You you would use it very derogatorily. Really, calling something Dutch. Really derogatory. Yeah, it, it was mean. Yeah, it was mean. Um, so why is it uh, the English using the word Dutch in a mean way? Uh, it, well, England only really rivals America in the lasting colonization efforts. But at the time, pre-America, uh, 1600s, the Dutch and the English were on uh, on world tour conquering missions <laughs> powerful navies powerful you know whatever they want to get places they want to colonize they want to explore is what they say so the english and dutch are rivals and essentially england is using just propaganda to make people their own people feel the dutch is inferior and that we're better and you know you know how that goes sure yeah um so by the middle of the 17th century a war breaks out between them uh and this is when they start their, their push to use the Dutch to mean crappy things. 1654 is uh, some of the first derogatory uses in print. Uh, phrases like Dutch bargain, uh, Dutch palate, which means low class. Dutch reckoning, which was bad accounting. And then it went on to say, like, when you question the bill, the bill becomes higher, is all wrapped into the Dutch reckoning. Uh, Dutch courage, I think, is a boldness inspired by intoxicating spirits. Hmm. Dutch courage. I think I've heard that one before. I'm not. Okay. People take a little swig. What about Dutch oven? That was a part of things, but not this this thing right here. All right. So, the, but it has nothing to do with you know paying for yourself or or, or doing whatever. So that, that's not really uh, not really not really what it was. So this this term, and remember when we recorded an episode recently when you were talking about a Dutch word that came over that might be an etymology for a highfalutin? Yeah. For, and I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, you thought it was really interesting. Very interesting. Several times I said interesting. Yeah, it was like verlutin. Yeah, uh, because we're, uh, and we're, we're predating that by a while. 17th, 18th century... Um, German-speaking immigrants start getting here to proto-America, you know, pre... We're still colonies, we're still, you know, we're, we're not... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these German-speaking immigrants make their way to pre-Pennsylvania, right? Have you ever heard anyone around these parts say Pennsylvania Dutch, Jay? All the time. Have you ever heard anyone say Pennsylvania Dutch and been like, huh, that's weird? No, why? yeah. Why were Pennsylvania Dutch? No, we 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 just live that. Right, you know, exactly. Here in the Pennsylvania, so, Penn's Woods. Penn's Woods. So why in uh, modern day Penn's Woods uh, are German immigrants referred to as the Pennsylvania Dutch? You know, this is just me tossing it out there. This this specific piece of it. it Maybe, you know, if you're seeing some German immigrants or hearing some German folks talking about their home country, it's not Germany to them, right? It's Deutschland. And it's written, you know, very similarly. Right. Uh, it's not, it's Germany to us, but not them. So yeah, uh, maybe, maybe some signage was up or perhaps people were talking uh, and, and then you say, that were they, what are they speaking? Is it, did they say Dutch? Does that sign say Dutchland? You know, just, uh, just tossing that little nugget in. But uh, really, during the Holy Roman Empire, um, people from the mountainous area, of which is now Germany, were referred to 
as High Dutch. And Low Dutch people were uh, folks from, like, Netherlands, the area. Down yeah. in the valley, valley Flatlands. So yeah, the Flatlands is, yeah. what, is what they say. In the Netherlands is kind of like, yeah, Netherlands. Yeah, Hinterland. Yeah. Right. Um, so this, the, the word Dutch kind of comes from an old German, Proto-Germanic, uh, Deutsch, it's uh, D-U-I-T-S-C, um, which just translates to person or people, you know, Deutsch, Deutsch. person. So Deutschland is just people land, land of people, huh. you know, I mean, yeah. That's very general. Very general, sure. Because all lands with people are lands of people. Exactly. Right. Sure. And this is what this is what we are. So the legend goes that these immigrants hated owing people things. So people who interacted with them or, or on a daily basis, locals would see them paying their own bills or, or what have you and, and not wanting to owe anybody money or any kind of debts. I'm going to say that records are pretty spotty from this area, but yeah. this is like seemingly the best foothold we get is that these people, they wanted to pay their debts. They hated owing people things. Yeah, so they just paid it on the spot. Right. Let's just, what's my share? What do I owe? Here it is. Here's no, my money. No one's going to come send a guy after me to right. get his vig. I know this game. <laughs> Phrases such as Dutch lunch and Dutch treat crop up uh, in America around the late 1800s. One of the earliest is uh, 1873, the Daily Democrat. If our temperance friends could institute what is called the Dutch treat into our saloons, each man paying his reckoning, it would be a long step towards reforming and drinking to excess. And Dutch treat is in quotes here. So I know that teaches us that we're still learning this phrase. Yes. It's not widely known. Just had it in boycott. Exactly. Calling it out to let people know that, hey, this is a thing. Uh, 1873, there's an 1897 Fort Wayne Morning Journal. Perhaps you have a fatter pocketbook than some of the other fellows. I, for instance, can't afford to buy two tickets every time I go, so some of the boys and I go on the Dutch lunch plan. Everybody for himself. Uh -huh. 1897. Yeah. Um, so these phrases crop up like well after you know those the English Dutch War of the 1600s, all of the confrontations, and like I said, they don't crop up till like you know 200 years later. Um, and it kind of has that melting pot vibe it's like there there is no like this is yes we saw the immigrants moving in we saw their signage we saw that we heard them talking we thought they were dot you know there's not a, a nice clean uh line there but it seems to be related to the pennsylvania dutch and and um others observation of, of these yeah right of, yeah their, their tendencies on on how they paid for things yeah dutch lunch dutch treat and, and then we're going dutch well that's uh, but That's somewhat satisfying. I just when you mentioned the the Verluten, I'm like, yeah, this that timeline kind of, you know, it's not that's not unreasonable, right? And see, they're bringing culture and things over here, right? And as it, immigrants do, we at one point we are still called a melting pot, but we at one point really were a melting pot, and we were, yeah, nice. I mean, I think we are a little more than than we see. We're a little close to the. We're a little close to the negatives, and there's still a lot of positives happening. We yeah. would just like to see more positives and less sure. negatives. We're living through these, and there's, a, you know, broad-scale, huge arcs of time. Things are, are great. But yeah. small-scale, not great. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a, you know. It was fun to read about it. Yeah, I didn't have any kind of uh, assumption. Well, I don't have any assumption about these ads. The commander said, don't worry, I don't have the authority to kill you today. Which was positive for that day anyway. In 1993, Chris Moon was captured by the Khmer Rouge while clearing landmines in Cambodia. With survival probability low, Chris was brought in front of the boss. He was just given a local nickname, Mr. Clever. Hi, I'm Steve Windus, host of the Batting the Breeze podcast. I'd love you to check out how Chris survived, along with some other great human stories at battingthebreeze.com. Hopefully see you there. Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. Their products feature innovative technology and unbelievable comfort and support without deflating your wallet. Combining the best of both worlds, the Allswell features hybrid mattress technology with memory foam and individually wrapped coils. For a winning blend of comfort and support, follow the link in the show notes for financing as low as 0%, a 100-night risk-free trial, free shipping and returns, and a 10-year limited warranty. Designed to make good sleep accessible to all. Real luxury, unreal prices. Allswellhome.com. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at BigScienceMusic.com. That's BigScienceMusic.com. Hi, so yeah, more words and idioms, phrases, fun facts about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. All right. That's what we're doing. Nice. You feeling it? I'm feeling it. Good. Are you feeling it? Yeah. Your crabs. Cool. I'm going to pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. You know I love that. I'm a big Scott fan. Yes. I know it. So, <laughs> I have an odd one. I have um, mealy mouth. Mealy. Mealy mouth. Mouth. That's hard to say. Mealy mouth. Mealy mouthed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I've always been, you know, a, a Morrissey fan, Smith's fan. Yes. I, it's all a gray area to me now because I know so much Morrissey, but it, I'm not sure if it's a Smith song or a Morrissey song. Gotcha. Uh, grow up, be a man, and close your mealy mouth. Dial a cliche. Dial a cliche. I think it must be a Morrissey solo song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the first time I ever heard this and maybe the last. Uh, no one, I don't know, do people in the States say mealy mouths? I don't hear it, but I now I'm looking at some of the reference material. It's been printed here, so people write it. Yeah, I don't I don't say it, personally. Uh, you know, mealy mouth, uh, for a person to be mealy mouth is to tend to say things in an indirect, evasive, or deceptive way. Oh, okay. The word is usually meant negatively. When people speak in mealy-mouthed ways, yeah. we tend to think they're afraid to speak plainly oh, uh, okay. or trying to trick us or are avoiding saying what they really think for reasons of self-interest. 
Definitely not using that right. If I used it, I wouldn't have used it right. Well, this one is is hardcore Joe Hollywood cut to the chase. And this is not a ruse. Cut Repeat, to chase. Not a ruse. All right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> no, I repeated yeah. it. So uh, you got to trust me. Mm. While there were a couple of half-baked attempts to trace it in a different direction, they're not even worth repeating. <laughs> I can't even say this. Uh, yeah. So, you know, showing up in the in the 16th century, it made its way, It's because we often see, you talk about Dutch, sure, we see Scandinavian, Scandinavian to Irish to English, but we also see a lot of Dutch, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. old Germanic mm -hmm. and things like that. So this this word, uh, Germans have a, a damn word. And and it's, um, I'm going to sound it out. I'm going to give it to you. Mielimalbalhatten. All right. And it literally means to keep food in your mouth, to keep meal in yeah. your mouth. Yeah. Flour in the mouth Keep it. Nice. I, I worked it all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So the Germans have a word. This is, the, yeah, this is what it is, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> Flower in the mouth. Keep it. Yeah. I like that, too. Mil imal bahaten. It makes its way into uh, its, its English counterpart and um while er earliest documentations of it uh, have it being immediately used in the way that it is to say just say what the hell you mean mm -hmm. it went straight to figurative and indications are that the german use is very much uh figurative so speaking indirectly in German. Mm -hmm. I've said yeah. already twice in German. I'll say again if you need me to. Mila im Maul behalten. They get better each time. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nice. take German maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, took, I took two years of German and I did so poorly. Uh, yeah, but we didn't have uh, those apps and all that stuff. No, sure. I was just a, just a lad. Uh, in an older sense, it could have been reticent or timid, but still that carries off quickly and easily into sidestepping and uh, not being direct. Mm -hmm. You know, one group of society that gets pegged with this trait a lot are politicians. <laughs> sure. So when you find it in print, it's often in some news about politicians. But He's, Right, yeah, exactly. You know, it's just yep. not saying what you really, you know. Yeah. But I promised short and sweet because that, that is it, folks. Uh, it came from a German word that already was sort of created for it. And it's really, in all for all practical purposes, it's a translation of a German idea. That's wild. Flower in yeah, the mouth. I've got me a mill Keep in it. my mouth. <laughs> so I can't tell you the truth. Because <laughs> I'm shoving food in my face. Yeah, or just, you know... Yeah, throw my tongue to the cat. Throw my tongue to the cat. Huh. Well, that was French, though, huh? Yeah, that was French. Yeah. Uh, that's nice. What have you? It's uh, maybe not my cup of tea. Aha! But, uh, but that was nice. Behold the mermaid. <laughs> is, that from, is that in there, too? Cup no, of that's tea? from Splash. No, I know. I meant the cup of tea. Is there a cup of tea in there? 
Or what are you? Nope. You were just saying it. I just was, I guess I was thinking about Tom Hanks. No, that's cool. I, I get it. Um, Not my cup of tea. Uh, I do not care for it. Right. Right? Not something yeah. that I'm, uh, I'm having fun with or I don't like it. Right. It's not my cup of tea. How'd it come from England? Uh, tea is known as chai in other parts where, where, the, where the British and Dutch found it. It was called chai or it's like C-H-A-A. I'm guessing it's still chai. It could have been like a cha something in there. Right. Um, 1598, Jan Hugen van Lichtschoten, what? C-H-A-A. Yes. And you're talking like India. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because, you know, also, um, is, isn't there C-H-A-A-T are those leaves that, that, that guys chew? I think it's more Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, but they, they chew these leaves. Guessing tea leaves, yeah. Uh, they're not tea. I don't know. But, but go on. Shot. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, was it? Jan Huygen van Lukschoten was uh, in discover, d- Discourse of Voyages into Ye East and West Indies, 1598. The aforesaid warm water is made with the powder of a certain herb called cha. <laughs> but I, I think chai. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it really is. It's kind of defined and kicked off at the same time in this i mean people are drinking tea yeah we you know it's a it's invigorating right it gets you all it gives you caffeine yeah gives you a little focus gives you a little Ooh, that's nice uh it's it's uh it's someone puts it a, a boisterous life enhancing nature <laughs> um but william de morgan an edwardian artist and novelist uses this, uh, this phrase in the novel somehow good uh, in 1908 and he he defines it as he uses it he may be a bit hot-tempered and impulsive. Otherwise, it's simply impossible to help liking him. To which Sally replied, borrowing an expression from Anne, the housemaid, that Fenwick was a cup of tea. It was metaphorical and descriptive of invigoration. He was quite the cup of tea. He's very invigorating. Oh. I, I find him very refreshing. Yeah. And, uh, and invigorating. Yeah, so that's just a general... I'm not but saying so it- I like him. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm saying I find him like a cup of tea, you know? Maybe, but, it, but it's not a negative. Not it's, a negative. No, that's right. We're we're still. This is very. We're positive for about twenty, thirty years. Yeah. Nineteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah. A cup of tea, exactly. Um, and it started, like you said, with with that like happiness because that is my cup of tea. Oh my, that I, I like that a lot. Uh, Nineteen thirty-two. I am not at all sure. I wouldn't rather marry Aunt Loudy. She's even more my cup of tea in many ways. So that's 1932. Now we're saying, I like, she's my cup of tea. Very, very happy. I like this. And then, you know, 1940s, kind of after World War II, we're getting more, not my cup of tea, more negative, um, just kind of, yeah. uh, he's he's not my cup of tea. You don't like someone? Uh, you, you just say, he's not my cup of tea. Is uh, you know, a paraphrasing of a 1944 quote. But we always use it in the negative. We don't use the positive. No, it shifted after, it seems like after, or during World War II. It seems like it's the kind of thing that should have been able to stay alive in both columns. Now that's my cup of tea. Yeah. But it it really hasn't. No, it it is kind of that that negative shift definitely happened. Um, 
to a not my cup of tea. That's not my cup of tea. I never imagined it to be a positive in the first place. Yeah, it was very invigorating and, oh. uh, you know, stimulating. Uh, he's a he's like a cup of tea. Isn't he? Yeah, that one's also simple. Man, we had a couple of simple ones. That's all right, you know. Yeah, I think we I think the we had some nice lore up in the top half. Oh, there was lore. <laughs> Well, that's. I'm going to start. I'm going to bring it back in a positive. I'm bringing that back. If the show was your cup of tea, won't nice. you write us? That's lovely. At Whole Nine Yards Pod. Oh, wait, we did it again. Yeah. Twitter, Reddit, and no, in uh, Instagram. Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Whole Nine Yards Pod. Whole Nine Yards Podcast. On Facebook and Mimi. Yeah. That's got it. That's going to have it. When Rebecca will give us. An email. An email. Yeah. Electronic mail. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll uh, we'll endeavor to carry on in a great way for wonderful things and times. Yes. I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And we're, we're not, not idioms. Oh. Yeah. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyu at whole9yards.org. That's heyu at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.